0: this is uh, episode four of Camerslang Harriers Keeping Connected podcast. This, this podcast has been set up to promote our great club and to get current and past members to share their running stories. Tonight's guest is an hour of Camerslang Harriers legends, Jamie Reed. He also spent his earlier running years as a member of Law and District AAC. So I'm just going to really introduce Jamie first and then we'll go through some questions and answers with him. So those of you that don't know Jamie, uh, Jamie was the Scottish Marathon champion on three occasions and uh, he was also silver medalist on two occasions over a six-year spell from 2002 to 2007. Uh, in 2000, basically he basically ran the, two, the the London Marathon on a time of 2 hours 21 minutes and 16 seconds, which was his personal best. And on the, run, on the, on the run-up to this uh, race, he basically uh, ran the UK Intercounties 20 mil championships in Sp- Spenborough. In a time of 149, uh, when he basically won that championship running for the West of Scotland. This was four weeks prior to London. His personal bests for 5,000 are 1435, for 10,000 metres, 3016, for 10 miles, 4851 and a half marathon is 6707. He's positioned fifth and ninth in the National Cross Country, and he's held Cameron's Lang on countless occasions to multiple team titles. The reason I was keen to talk to Jamie uh, as part of this podcast is obviously, apart from his great running ability, is that he's he is self-coached. He's an intelligent and very well-read read runner and has a strong mindset in how he trains and prepares himself to competi- for competition. I'm also keen to delve into more into his marathon success and preparation as I feel there is definitely an increased uptake in club runners pursuing the marathon challenge. And undertaking his math and training, he also produced personal bests in a number of shorter distances. So it's quite interesting to hear more about that because it just shows you that one size doesn't fit all. People saying different methods for different distances and achieve different uh, outcomes. So thanks a lot, Jamie, for coming on. Uh, how are you going on today? All right?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Ian.
0: I'm good. Good. Thanks. Thanks very much for inviting me on. Good, good, no bother. So just to uh, start off basically in the early days. So obviously you were saying uh, in a correspondence so far you were sports mad. So how, how, how was it you got into, into running? Yeah,
1: yeah, that, that's right. I was always uh, very keen on, on all sports, uh, particularly football when I was younger. But uh, as I kind of drifted, uh, into the, the kind of high school, there was a kind of lack of school teams and some opportunities through the boys' brigade to to do some running competitions. I was never particularly good. I was always kind of fairly well down the the field, but I, I felt that kind of uh, allowed me to uh, the opportunity to to enjoy a, a sport. And actually, the more you put into it, the the the, the improvements. I found that really, really good and really. Uh, inspire
0: them to to move forwards in it and try it out. Yeah, so it's one of these sports that what you put into it is what you get out of it, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah it's a okay. good. And an early age, you know, uh, you moved on to uh, join a club for district at the age of fourteen. Um, so that was your first club in your earlier days. Today, were you the kind of person that had much success early on, or was it more a, a case of persevering and then it, it all come come together at a later stage?
1: Yeah, I was. I was never. Uh, Good uh, uh, at all, to be honest. I had the, nothing noticeable that stood out. I think I maybe my my probably my best early uh, performance as a as a junior was maybe seventh in the, the national at uh, Dundee the year. Tom Hanlon won the the, the senior race, but you know the, that would be kind of the odd good race. Um, it was it was never a case of. Uh, being extremely talented or anything, it was more a kind of case of perseverance and training and improving.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that our clubs sort of, you know, one of our mottos is really perseverance. You know, like uh, these things don't come easy. Uh, I'm not a great believer in total talent. Anyway, obviously, there's people that get natural ability, but that sort of hard work, dedication, that sort of optimises your sort of philosophy, I suppose, because that's what you're. You've pretty much. Done over for
1: your whole running career? Yeah, I think that's something that I've never, um, I've never been uh, one that can take a break from training and come back and, and be at the top of my game. It's always if I, if I take a break from training, you know, yeah, I, I I go quite far backwards. So I think it's always underlined that i have I get very little talent and in, in terms <laughs> of natural physical yeah. uh, attributes, but I can I can persevere with training.
0: Good, good. And what about that support network when you were younger, you know, around maybe what your family and your sort of the law district itself, the different coaches, different athletes, how what was quite what stood out for you back back then in terms of what was really important?
1: Yeah, I think probably the most important thing was the support from my, my parents. Yeah. Right, uh, you know, I was obviously at a young age still staying. My parents, they they took me to any races that I wanted to go to training, they supported me. Um Washing my clothes, you know, coming back from cross-country races, absolutely covered in mud or whatever. So that's been really important for, for me. And I think that's really important for, for kids, their, their support network, obviously the, the coaches and so on as well. But I think for me, the most important thing was that was the support and help to allow me to go training and do these things, do these races, do the training day after day.
0: Good, good. And I was saying at the start there, you're a sort of very well... Uh, well read runner so you've read loads of books about running uh, and you were letting me know during your early teens you, you, you read the book by Ron Hill you know obviously the late Ron Hill who unfortunately passed away just recently and this inspired you at a young age you know so t- tell us a bit more about that
1: yeah I, th- I think I don't know if I, for anybody that's not read Ron Hill's books I would thoroughly recommend it and, and what um, really came to the fore for, for me, when reading his books, was that he had a number of spectacular failures. He didn't right. just, you know, hit the top as a as a as a top athlete. and And his books give a very detailed account of his learning process and his thoughts and his different training, and and, and just his mindset as well. He, he never gave up, and he's obviously got that running streak of what was it, fifty two years? Yeah, so just kind of I'm that. going Yes, 52 <laughs> years we're not missing a day. Uh, and I think about 30 of those he was training twice a day, Monday to Saturday and once on a Sunday yeah, so yeah. You know, just taking you through that you, there's a lot of effort that goes into it you know, reaching reaching the top and then uh, there will be failures along the way and just accepting that
0: Yeah, that's a big part of well, not just running but also life in general, isn't it? Learn, learning from really your failures and moving. you'll mostly learn more from your failures and your all, your, all your good times yeah, it
1: certainly stuck out that he was a very resilient person. I yeah. guess you've got to be uh, that frame of mind, uh, kind of growth mindset, um, taking chances and going, seeing what happens, and learning by doing. I think that was that really hit home with me with, with Ron Hill. He would tweak his training, he would he yeah. would learn from his performances and, and change it accordingly, but he would never give up. He would you've, always, take a, you've, like, you've
0: taken a lot of those thoughts right into your own. Obviously, that's something that maybe stands out. You're quite resilient.
1: Well, I, I don't know. I let others judge I, I, I think so. I, I, think uh, I certainly, uh, if I've got something in my mind, then I like to try and give it my best effort to try and achieve it. You know, yeah. in, in some of the cases through the years, I've maybe identified goals that I want to try and do. Some of some of hit, and some most of them I haven't. Mm. Um, but I've came quite close to things that I would like to have done. But yeah. If I hadn't looked uh, at what I, what I would like to do, then I wouldn't have got anywhere near that. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, and then obviously, you know, you had one this in your early days. You then went on to uh, university. Where was it you went to university again?
1: Yeah, it was Strathclyde University. So yes. I, was, I was able to stay at home uh, and, and commute. So I think that was uh, important?
0: And that was important staying at home at that point in your life? Or think yeah, uh, uh, getting, getting, getting the balance and getting the stability there?
1: It was... It was important, probably, uh, and helped my running more. I always yeah. look back and think I might have enjoyed uni more if I had maybe stayed in my flat with a few of my pals. But then um, that might not have been so conducive to my running, although yeah. there were people around me. I a good, uh, like Uni, had a good friend, John McCall from, from Shettleston Harriers, um, who I was, I was friendly with. We used to go out runs at lunchtime and so on, and, and Anne-Marie Hughes. Yeah, uh, who I knew as well. She was a great coach and a sub three marathoner as yeah. well. So there yeah. was a good network there.
0: Yeah, good, good. And then basically, obviously, reading that Ron Hill book at a young age, that sort of uh, got your mind going with regards to the the long distance, the, the sort of math and training. You sort of went into math and training and aiming for math and sort of in your mid mid twenties, which Back then, like, I don't know, you could tell me, I don't know whether that was quite early in your running career to do that, whereas now I, there's people like Callum Hawkins have made that a wee bit more popular. But saying that Callum still got a long running history before he got to the, the marathon, his sort of early to mid-20s. So was that fairly young back then to start doing marathons? Or was...
1: I, I think it, in, in relation to others, it probably was, Ian. Yeah. Um, I think around about 19, I think 1997, Um. Yeah. I mean, at that time I was, I think that the best I've done in the national cross country was about 80th, right. um, and I was watching, uh, I remember watching the London Marathon, I think, I remember seeing Dave Cavers from TV tale, mm-hmm. um who, who ran 216, I think, to qualify for the Commonwealth Games in Malaysia in 1998, yeah, and I remember yeah. thinking, oh, that, that's that's amazing, um, I'm, yeah. I'm never going to be anybody that's, that, that's fast on the, the track, but uh, the, the marathon's are type of event where if you balance your training correctly and get it right then you can make significant improvements yeah. so at that time around about 97 I thought I'd, I'd like to give the marathon a, a serious go. yeah,
0: yeah. And you were saying there you were about 80 in an Nassau at that time your PBs for 3k were 8.50 your 5k PB was 15.17 so you went on to do your your first marathon you, know, you can let me know whether you felt you did that way or not but your first marathon was uh where was that again? It was in Berclayd. Yeah. Uh, in Greenock. Yeah. Two forty nine. Two forty nine. Yeah. What was your thought? What was your what was your takeaways from that? Was that a, did you see that as being a success? Was it a failure? Was that a was your preparation as good as you thought it should have been, or what did you learn from? I suppose that's the main thing from your first math, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I, I think just the, the, you hit the nail on the head there. On you learn more from your failures than your successes. So I, I viewed that. As a failure, but on the plus side, I finished the marathon, um, and I, I had that kind of mental strength to finish it, and, and I was almost walking the last three miles. I think up until twenty miles, I was on for about two thirty-six.
2: Yeah,
1: uh, but it really the fields came off in the last six miles. Um, the the build-up had gone reasonably well uh, up until maybe about four weeks beforehand. And I'd put in quite a lot of long runs and I'd run a PB on the track, 15-17, as you, as you said. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but then I got a cold and at that time I was training with a, a heart monitor, which I found really useful to to slow down that the, the pace of my training to allow me to do more mileage. Yeah, um, okay. And I, I noticed after I got the cold, my heart rate was way up. And that's okay. something that had always, or, or, always continually happened with me. I was able to do a, a good block of training for about six weeks, but if I got a cold, then my performances just went you know downhill straight afterwards. Yeah.
0: And when you got that cold, would it it like looking back on that? Obviously that's you see stress there, you know, on your body. What did you do? Did you as runners are a bit sometimes a bit stubborn, aren't we? And we don't always listen to things. Did you try and train through that or did you ease off or you know, looking back at it again? Well, for, for that marathon, I,
1: I eased right off. And yeah. um, other times, and this had kind of happened a few times beforehand in the year, year or two uh, previously, um, where I'd tried all sorts of options. I tried training through, but I think I went down. I actually took six days off completely.
0: All right. right. Must have
1: been uh, some cold. Sorry.
0: Must have been some cold.
1: Well, it, I just, I knew I, I wanted, I knew that potentially this could really affect my all performance. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to really give it the best chance I could. Yeah, um, but when when I came back, I, I, I knew probably deep down that there was something. Just uh, some sort of virus. Or, or virus. I mean, I, I guess a lot of people say that, but yeah. um, I, I knew from my runs I was doing them a few minutes slower. Um, yeah. But I, I'd made a commitment to do the marathon. i actually was doing it for for charity.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, as well at the same time for the I think it was the St. Andrew's Hospice in yeah. um, so I knew. I'd collected money from work colleagues and so on, so I just wanted to no way out, no way it. out. Aye. yeah. And what about what moment were you hitting about then, Jamie? It was it was probably about seventy or seventy or eighty. I'd, Aye, I'd good, up to, but I was going out, you know, uh, a couple of runs a week uh, during Monday to Friday of maybe an hour and a half, and then on a Saturday or a Sunday I would go out for two two and a half hours. Yeah, and, yeah. But it, so it was a, a good. Uh, volume of long runs. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, basically a year later, you know, um, you gave the marathon a go again and you ran, as far as I'm aware, you ran 225. So, only a year later, you've taken what was that, 24 minutes off your time. So, part of that might be because you, you were un- unwell in the build up to the, the first one, I suppose. But did you keep the same training? Did you change much in that that, that sort of year to try and make that transition? Uh,
1: the, the training was was pretty much the same. Yeah, the, yeah. the only difference that I had was uh, a change in my diet. I'd kind of had a, a, a look back at the training. I was looking at everything. I was reading all sorts of magazines. Um, and it kind of stuck out for me that I wasn't perhaps eating as much protein as what I should be. Um, and yeah. a lot of the, the books at that time were emphasizing carbohydrates, carbohydrates, carbohydrates. And yeah. that's obviously important. But um, you obviously need to have a balanced diet. Yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah, I don't think I had that. And, that's
0: pretty and good, same, isn't it? As well, you know. Obviously, you're you're looking at a failure there, but then obviously you're not thinking it doesn't always have to be the training was 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 wrong. You know, mm-hmm. it sounds like you were. The big thing was you got unwell, you know. So basically, maybe your 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 general ability absorbed that training load was the training load was too high for maybe the nutrition you were getting. In. So yeah. the good thing is you did change something, wasn't it? You changed something which then made a difference.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, could, I could immediately. That moved me on um, yeah. in terms of where I was finishing in, yeah. in other races as well.
0: Yeah, and then you went on the next year. You went on and basically, you, as far as my am away, you follow the same approach. You were ninth in the National Cross Country. Yeah, is yeah. that right? Yeah. And then you went on and you basically won the Intercounties 20 mil Championships. Yeah. And that's when you basically got your personal best at London uh, 221. So that was a that sounds like a really, really strong year you had had there. Um, so, is that, do you think that's just maybe, again, you're saying you saw the summer approach, but it's, we always talk about, you know, week to week, sort of how you're progressing things, I suppose. Sometimes it's that year-on-year year approach that's maybe got you stronger. You don't always have to change something because you're basically, what you're doing is right, but it's building on the stuff you did the year before. Is that what Do you think that,
1: right? Yeah, I think it was just a, a culmination of a a greater time spent doing a, doing long runs to be honest um, and yeah. I'm a great believer in long runs but my fingers have been burnt doing too many yeah. uh, in the past so I think it's you've got to get it right but yeah. long runs consistent long runs can improve you I've found um, significantly but you've got to get that balance and that's tricky
0: so tell me a wee bit more about these long runs because obviously I've, I've done my math and training myself you know and it's Interestingly enough, when I did my first and you know, I, I just I went and spoke to Mike Johnson you know, uh, from the club, and he he just said, "Listen, you just do a math marathon pace run in the Tuesday night, get out your long run, but don't just be hanging about too much, get a bit of pace into it." Kept the dead basic my whole program, and ran. Uh, I know this is about you, this podcast, but I ran 229.43. From there on, again discussing with Mike and me, trying to look at different training, I went and did. You know, mixed it up. Did tempo, did my long runs with tempo involved, we a mile easy, and you know, different paces. And basically, did three marathons since, and I've only beat my personal best by 11 seconds. You know, and that was on a flatter course. So my my first marathon was was my, my bigger success. You know, in terms of the course. And yeah. um, but you tell me, so it's just interesting. You know, let me t- tell me a wee bit more about your long run. How far would it be? What pace would you be going in relation to your? Your math and pace and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. I think the, the biggest change for, for me when I moved to long runs, because I tried long runs before. Um, maybe when I was you know about 20 or so. and um, I always kind of broke down with calf injuries or, or whatever. But I, I I read a book, I can't remember what it was, but just talking about heart rate monitors, using right. heart rate monitors. Right. So I I got a heart rate monitor and uh, it was, there's all sorts of formulas you can use but I, I was fortunate enough to have had a, a test at Strathclyde Uni it was Anne right. that, that had done it but it was on a, an exercise bike so it wasn't strictly yeah. a, a running test but it would give me similar results Yeah. so I just took the heart rates from that I think yeah. it was 152 and, and I had to work below that to make sure it was aerobic yeah. and when I, when I strapped that on uh, and did my long runs you know I was going a good bit slower than, than what I had been
2: right, and okay.
1: I probably reduced my pace because of that to keep my heart rate under 152 yeah. from about 7.30 but gradually as the months went on you know it would get it would get quicker the pace right. would drop. so okay. then we dropped 7.30 to 7.15s to 7s yeah. and I had a course I had a seven mile course that I, yeah. that I checked myself every every so often yeah. So it was an out-and-back course. I would set my heart rate, maximum 152, go out and then back again. And yeah. every every few weeks, it would drop. So that was, that, that, that was very encouraging for me. It was Aye. very kind of motivational that, okay, you're doing the right things, you're doing the right training. Keep yeah. on what you're doing. Your times will come down. Be patient.
0: Yeah. So it's just you're getting that physiological change, I suppose, and your body's adapting very gradually and you're getting all the... The information there to prove all that. That
1: was quite powerful for me because I knew I was training. Uh, that I, I knew my my times were dropping. Sometimes it's uh, if you don't go out and measure things, or for me anyway, then it's maybe a wee bit hitting this, But I could, yeah. could clearly see there was a a, a, a definite improvement.
0: It's, it's very methodical, isn't it? I suppose, but everybody's different in their approaches, and that's what it's interesting about this. You know, some people might find that too, to you know containing or too methodical but it's it's what works for one person doesn't always work for somebody else you know absolutely
1: yeah yeah,
0: that's really interesting to to hear Uh, that's good good and then sort of following year you had a wee bit of persistent injuries um which basically sort of hampered your progress a wee bit how did that affect you you know in terms of the, the sort of well, training-wise, performance-wise, and also the psychological aspect of all that. You know, how, was, how did that all go? I think you were aiming to try and uh, get the Commonwealth Games standard. Is that right? Am I getting that
1: right? Yeah, when I ran 2.21 in London, that was the year 2000. So the Manchester Commonwealth Games were 2002. Yeah. And uh, I was invited onto the Commonwealth Games development squad. And, yeah. the, and, and that really... Uh, the the qualifying time was two eighteen, so I would ran two twenty one, so it was a realistic target for me.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I felt and I really wanted to to do that, but I I got got injured. and um, probably doing I think it was doing a four hundred hurdles race for for Long District at the time Jesus. in the Dems league oh, in no. So I I'd, I'd lost uh, the my London Marathon was in April two thousand, so I'd lost probably uh about six or seven months doing very little trying. Different things, but eventually got it sorted, yeah. and, and I decided to to aim for uh, a marathon about a year away. Heard lots of good things about Berlin, so uh, I went there, and, and my dad came with me, and I went there with the aim of trying to run the qualifying time. Yeah, so I had a, a good a good build up, uh, and it was again lots of long runs, but I, I decided to to try and change it a wee bit, and yeah. the, the last ten weeks or so. I would do some some speed work. So i gradually yeah. introduce maybe mile reps about week, about 10 weeks before the marathon and yeah. then move on to some track reps like maybe 400s or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and then run the marathon. And that was all kind of done uh, with uh, the intention of, of peaking in, yeah. in Berlin.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you were saying there about your adding that speed work in 10 weeks before. So, you know, that sounds quite Still quite a, uh, an establishment of time. So how how long's your your normal marathon preparation? Are you, you you talking about how many months are you sort of preparing for a marathon?
1: Well, I, I guess that one, um, I had I had almost probably about ten months to prepare for it. The first thing yeah. after being out for a long time was build up yeah. my fitness. So yeah. I think from about November two thousand, I kind of built up my long runs, and I'd I'd got fit enough by around March April yeah. time, and um, but. I managed to win the Tom Scott race for the first time um, yeah, good, so good. in just over 50 minutes. So that kind of showed me I was in, going in the right direction. So I kept that up till maybe about June. Um, and then introduced the kind of 10 weeks before the
0: marathon, which was at the end
1: of September. I
0: right.
1: started introducing the speed work.
0: So when you went, you went when you you when ran that race, you went through the, the half marathon in 70, but unfortunately you faded, uh, you know, to two twenty nine 29 You Did you just put that down to the missed training you had or...? No, I just, I, I, I think I'd probably
1: done too many speed sessions. Um, right, right, and in okay. that 10 weeks, I probably went away from what worked for me slightly. Uh,
2: uh, and yeah. I'd maybe
1: done two, because I think another thing for me that I learned over the years, and I'll maybe come on to that later, but I was doing three sessions a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Yeah. And... I never felt right doing that later on when I started to train or oh, like with Stevie later on
2: mm-hmm.
1: I was only doing two. And
0: okay.
1: that was just that was just right. But with hindsight I think I just got the, the speed training wrong.
0: Yeah and that comes into all that stuff that people you know it's been the big vogue thing just now is that 80-20 split doesn't it you know the high intensity stuff's only 20% of what you do. You know maybe your your high intensity stuff there was too much and that's results in breakdown or you know Although you think it's the right thing to do, I'll, I'll get more high-intensity stuff, and that'll make me fitter and fitter. Maybe it's yeah, just yeah. too much. Uh, and I guess then you I've,
1: went on. Sorry, I was just going to say after that, I decided, okay, I've, I've spent the last ten months with a program like that, but I'm going to try and change things about. So I got in. I got in touch with uh, guy Bill Adcox, who, yeah. had, who ran, I think, two at two ten at the Athens marathon in the sixties. Yeah. yeah, and he was one of the top runners in the UK at the time. Um, and I'd sent him what I was doing and, and I'd, I'd saw articles of what his training was. Right. And through the winter, it was it was all strong runs. It was like a, a Monday night, he would do 11 miles and it was like something frightening, like 55 minutes. You know, yeah. but I, I was all relative. Obviously, that was his marathon pace. Yeah. So I decided to try and change that over the, the winter. Uh, but it, obviously, it, it resulted in me reducing the miles. But mm-hmm. I was probably uh, doing it much more uh, quicker, much faster, yep. probably just above the, the marathon pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So then you went, is it you know, was it that 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 advice you got from that chap there that resulted in you basically winning your first well I'm not saying that everything he gave you was the, the result of what you achieved, but you went on and won your first Scottish marathon title um, in Loch 221, yeah? Yeah. I mean that that
1: that winter it also ran 229 at Berlin. The Commonwealth Games were about the next summer 2002, and I had one more shot at, at trying to get the qualifying time. Right. But that, that winter, I had quite a few persistent niggles and injuries. And I'd entered London, but I decided that I was short on time. London was was quite early, it was early to mid April that year. Yeah. And I felt I needed another couple of weeks. So I decided to, to can London and run Loch Abba, yeah. uh, which was two or three weeks later. Um, with hindsight I probably should have just gone for London yeah. um, but I went out did look ABBA I, I, uh, again the qualifying times was, was 2.18 as I said I went through halfway just underneath it just in 6.8.45 um, but then I just faded in the second half so I gave it my best shot but at the end of the day I just wasn't good enough for it
0: yeah well that's, that's the thing as well as you say you, 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 you gave it your best shot there's nothing else you can do and sometimes we just do full shots sometimes don't we and that you have to accept that don't we
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, um, and then, then after that, you went on and started training with with Stevie, uh, which everybody in the club, you know, knows we Stevie, and obviously he's been involved with training with so many people over the years, and really brought them on. So surprise, surprise, that helped you to move on and achieve some of the best the sort of best track track season you've sort of you've had, you know, and you. You know, we went on and sort of did a lot of your your track PBs that year. Yeah,
1: we started training um, together around about I think May or June, uh, two thousand and two. You know, about three or four weeks after I'd done the marathon. Um, I remember just being in. I uh, knew Stevie, what he had achieved as a runner. Uh, so I was I was absolutely delighted to have the opportunity to to learn from him. Um, and, and there were a lot of sessions um, where there would be, like, I think the, the first session I did was like 16 times 350 with a 50-meter jog at yeah, the yeah. center, And that was that was really tough. But, it, you know, Stevie would take one and I would take one and we would work together. Uh, maybe, and that would maybe be the Saturday during the week. It would maybe be uh, six eight hundreds or something like that. Again, all with short recovery. But I yeah. think Stevie was doing two sessions a week. And, and I did that as well, and I felt that, that, that really
0: got He's a is, is master of the short recovery, is not Absolutely, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> many, many a session I cursed him on that, but uh, it certainly worked for me.
0: Yeah, and then that, that sort of resulted in you then, sort of, you know, that, that association with Stevie, then resulted in you basically changing clubs and joining Camerang Harriers. Um, so... I presume I presume looking back that was a, a good decision. What year was that? And you know, you know, I presume you helped you then move on to your next stage in your running career, I suppose.
1: Yeah, that was 2002 when I actually joined Canvas Line. And um, the background to that was a a run. Um, and the, the, the favourite part of the year for me is the the cross country relays in October. And when I ran for law it, that year, nobody else turned out. So I, I ran the, the first leg and I had no date to hand over to. Yeah. So I was I was quite disappointed at that. I knew Stevie I was training with them. I thought I would I would love to be at the front, you know, in a competitive team. And I'm just yeah. at that age. Yeah. Uh, so I decided to to leave law, which was hard for me because my, my my dad had been the president. I had been the club captain, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. And. Um, I, I, it was something i wanted to do i wanted to join Canberra Slang and um, i was very respectful of the the success canvas line had and obviously the the ethos of the club as well i'd seen that over the the, the years beforehand and the coaches like your dad and mike and yeah. um, you dave Cooney as well so it was very uh, if i was ever going to leave a club uh or leave for a club it would always always have been campus line
0: and then you've then son- you then become part of the an integral part of the success of that club, uh, you know, you've, you've you've been ninth in a national, you've been fifth in a national cross country, you've been in countless national cross country teams, you've been in countless national relay teams, you've been involved in the Edinburgh Glasgow relay, you know, obviously, you know, the list goes on, you know. So plus you also have a, you end up having different training partners and also you know competitive with people like Reece Stevie Robert Gilroy, Charlie, all that stuff, you know, it's the, yeah. and then moving on in the Masters scene as well, I suppose, as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, a great uh, great memories of, of loads of great races I've had over the years. My first started training with Stevie. He was just coming back, and I was slightly ahead of him. I knew very quickly he would overtake me, uh, then a lot of challenges with, with Robert. with great fun uh, doing half marathons and marathons, and, and, i fair to say Robert was probably ahead of me most of them uh, over the, the kind of 2005, 2006, and then Charlie as well. Yeah. Um, I remember Charlie doing the the, I think the second marathon that I did uh, running with him then. Um, so it was great experiences uh, going down to, to Sutton Coalfield in the, the Masters. It um, was probably uh, the highlight of, of my, my kind of team running career yeah. um, and winning the over-35s title at Sutton Coalfield. Uh, as you know you've run there it's a it's a wonderful experience um yeah. to to do that and be part of the, the the masters scene um and and be part of uh quite a number of successful clubs I'm, I'm happy to have to have played my part and had the opportunity to play my part yeah
0: yeah yeah uh, and it's you know all, over the years you know you've uh you've you've, you've you follow different methods you've talked about, you know, like some, some of the Ron Hill stuff, some of that that guy that gave you some advice, you, you've looked at some of the Athera Vidyard type stuff, but you've, you've done some real high mileage over the years as well, haven't you? And, you know, you're, I think you've mentioned to me, like, sometimes you've reached up to 128, 144 miles a week and stuff, like that. I just can't even contemplate that, you know, I've, I've done maybe my peak 78 mile a week, you know, that's, where, where yeah. do you find the time and the bar, getting that balance again, you know? Eh, do you think I got the best out of you going up as high as that? I think I, I,
1: would, I would approach it differently eh, if I was doing it again. I think I eh, I was probably, when I moved up to 128, I was probably, at the, before that I was about 100, 110. And it was just maybe a wee bit too much. I tried the lyd training, which was effectively 100 miles a day. Uh, sorry, 100 miles a week, but <laughs> in, once, in once a day runs. Yeah. So it was only once a day runs. A so, month, yeah. and, and then it was adding on um, yeah, kind of morning runs. So I would do 100 miles a week at night, but maybe four and a half miles jogging in the morning. That took me up to 128 miles a week. And with hindsight, I would have probably adjusted to the 100 miles a week at night. First, maybe over three, four, six months. Yeah. Um, rather than trying to do everything. But I felt I was being soft on myself if I wasn't going for the full whack. So, and I don't yeah. think that, that gave me the, the proper recovery. And that's what then caused me to break down a wee bit. So you really got to listen to your body. Um, yeah. I was tired at night. And I was going up at six o'clock in the morning to, to run four or five miles. I was coming in at night at work at half five and uh, running anything up to two hours. To, you know, cover yeah. a, a midweek two-hour run yeah. um, on a Saturday morning. I would do, you know, twenty-two to twenty-four miles. Uh, you know, all through the week, yeah. um, and I was probably getting maybe about seven hours sleep. Um, and you add that all in together. Yeah. I think it was just a bit too much for me. There's
0: a lot, oh. of, there's a lot of factors there, aren't there? They can result in breakdown. You know, you're saying there that lack of sleep. You know, like. Um, you know, I think there's some statistics that say if you, if you sleep less than seven hours a night, you know, you're 1.5 times more likely to get injured, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it's especially with that mileage, you know, it's, it's, it's an achievement in itself, you know, when doing that, you know, it's, uh, it's just outstanding, you know. But as a have just trying to work out whether it works for you or whether you're better taking a wee bit off that, and then you know, yeah. achieving the con- consistency is such a key, you know, that yourself, you know, once you start getting. Negle injuries or calls, the consistency is the key, isn't it, to, to be able to build on week on week, year on year, you know? Yeah.
1: Uh, I think with, with hindsight, I've either just done the once a day training, long miles, or possibly did every every fourth week, you know, I dropped my mileage down to maybe 40 or 50 and yeah, recovered and yeah. then started aye, back aye, again. Aye. I might week's another
0: important, coach, isn't it? But... Yeah, yeah. So thanks a lot for all that, Jane. I think that's a, a good sort of insight into all your training and and what you've achieved, and um, maybe just to sort of think about wrapping things up a wee bit, um, you must be fairly proud of what you've achieved over the years. What, what would be your your highlight of your, what you've done?
1: Yeah, uh, I would probably say uh, winning my the the Scottish marathon title at Lochaber because I was yeah. I was running on my own for about seven miles and I yeah. I went for it. I, I didn't I didn't get what I wanted, but. Yeah. I I was proud that I put in the effort um, beforehand, and I was proud that I put the effort in the day. But
0: sometimes you just go put your hands up and say you're not good enough. But I gave it a, yeah. gave it a really good go. And, it, and as you said earlier yeah, on, you know that might have been if you did London there. It might have been a you know I don't know I, I don't know the course look but maybe London course might have been easier and having people around you might have got you a wee bit more. Of. It
1: could it could well have done look I, but it's it, it's not that tough a course but it's certainly tougher in London and yeah. there's no no nobody around in terms yeah. of spectators etc so yeah, yeah but that's that's what it was
0: and just before we wrap up anything else you you want to add in anything any parting sort of thoughts or anything you want to sort of pass on to anybody what, what, would, what would what advice would you give the, the Jamie Reid of the early twenty when you're in your early 20s 25 years starting to undertake maths what, what, what advice would you give somebody I
1: would I would say you got to listen to your body and, and balance your training. A, a lot of times, uh, the long runs were good for me. But maybe if I broke down, I would then go back to the long runs. And then if I broke down again, I would go back to the long runs again. So it resulted in quite a bit of time just doing long runs. So I think it's important you need to kind of balance your training as well. And, and not only do long runs all the time. You've got to You can't go three years without doing speed work. And I think that's probably yeah. a lesson and balance yeah. your training as well. You've got to listen to your body and, and recover yeah. and make sure your body absorbs your training.
0: Yeah, I think Frank Hall was a great one for that as well, talking about, you know, make sure you're tapping into the different, you know, paces within your training, you know, even if you're training for math and not neglecting that sort of 5k type of stuff, which is what you're sort of talking about there.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. So thanks a lot for all that, Jamie. Really insightful. I uh, really enjoyed uh, listening to all that. So I'd just like to. Thank you on behalf of Cambers Harriers for uh, taking your time out today to deliver this podcast.
1: Oh, thanks very much Ian and I guess I'd like to, to thank Cambers Lang Harriers for uh, for uh, playing a, a very big part in my life over the years and all the members in the club they know who they are but especially David Cooney um, in terms of pushing everybody on. Uh, it's greatly appreciated so thanks very much.
0: No Bola, that's great. Thanks a lot everybody. We'll see you at the next podcast whenever Corky gets that one ready. All right. See you in the top. Cheers. Bye.